Welcome into Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. We're here to talk Milwaukee Brewers baseball. Going to be with you for the next hour, taking you till 9 o'clock this evening. If you want to join the program, multiple ways for you to get connected. You can call, you can text into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. You can also tweet at me if you would like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is the Twitter handle. If you don't follow me on Twitter, feel free to follow me, but you don't have to follow me to tweet at me over the course of the next hour. we got a big show tonight. Have a big show. Uh, Chris Hook is going to be joining us in about six minutes. He is the new Brewers pitching coach going into his first season. He had uh, most recently served as the pitching coordinator in the organization, where uh, basically uh, the pitching coordinator goes throughout the, the different minor league affiliates and kind of sets the uh, sets the pitching philosophy and works with the respective pitching coaches at all the different uh, stops. So uh, he moves into the pitching coach position, and Chris Hook is going to join us coming up in just a little bit. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff I want to get into. Sometimes I feel like we, not sometimes, all the time, I feel like we did, I wish we did this show uh, more often than just once a week because even though we're smack dab in the middle of the offseason, there's a lot to get into. There's really a lot to get into. Uh, a, a big thing happened, and this isn't so much Brewers-related, but it's baseball-related, and it will impact the Brewers. Uh, this past week, an agreement was uh, put together between Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball Players Association, and the Cuban Baseball Federation that's going to allow Cuban baseball players to come to Major League Baseball in a more formal process no more is it going to be a, pl- a player being forced to defect from Cuba and get into the United States that way to become a Major League Baseball player. Now there's going to be an actual transaction, I guess you would say. And this is going to have a wide-ranging impact on the game of baseball. And I think it's a really good thing. I think it's, I think it's a good thing for baseball, and I think it's a good thing for baseball players who go through hell to get from Cuba to the United States. If we don't have time to get into it right now, but I'll 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 throw this at you if you've not read it. Probably 4 or 5 years ago, maybe not even that long ago, uh ESPN the magazine did a really long in-depth story outlining how Yasiel Puig got to the United States. Find it, read it, Google it. Uh, you can find it out there on the on the old interwebs. It's it's worth a read. It's worth a read. And if you're somebody, and I'm not trying to get political here, this is not a political show. But if for political reasons you don't want there to be a an agreement between Major League Baseball and Cuba, go read this story about Yasiel Puig, and then just. Think about it from a human being perspective if you want to see other human beings go through what Puig went through. Horrible. Hor- I don't, he could have died so easily. Like, yeah, Yasiel Puig should be just every morning he wakes up, he can look back to the way he got to the United States and say, thank you, Lord, I'm alive. And it's it's a great piece that ESPN the magazine did, so I, I encourage you to check that out. So that's kind of the 
the background on our Cuba conversations that's going to be coming up uh, later on. Uh, this past week, Brewers add a second rookie league affiliate in Arizona. I think that can have wide-ranging uh, impacts on the uh, organization. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll get into the second base situation because another potential second base target has left the free agent market. And while it's Daniel Murphy, he's going to go sign with the Colorado Rockies, it appears. While you might sit there and go, man, that, that stinks. Another guy that, uh, that the Brewers might be interested in. I take a little bit of a different take on it because I think as there's, there's more available second basemen than there are jobs available. So, and there's not a lot of drop off between the top free agent second baseman and like the sixth sixth free agent second baseman. So if you can sit here and I think this is what the Brewers are doing. If you can wait this out a little bit, you can you can get somebody probably interesting on maybe a one year deal. They I would be shocked if it's anything but a one year deal when you've got Keston Hira who's gonna make his debut this year and Mauricio Dubon who's gonna be up at some point in all likelihood this year as well. So all of a sudden, you know, they, they looked at Troy Tulowitzki this past week. That's an interesting name. As jobs start to get filled to someone like DJ LeMahieu, who maybe was trying to play the market, all of a sudden gets stuck in a situation where he can't get more than a one-year deal. So he comes to the Brewers, where he probably would be pretty comfortable. Like, that's that's what's looking right like right now. So we'll get into that. And we'll look around the National League Central. A uh, Another piece coming into the National League Central today that is notable. Uh, pretty notable in terms of other teams getting better. So we'll do that coming up later on as well. Again, if you want to join us, 414-799-1620. It's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. New Brewers pitching coach Chris Hook joins us next. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly does continue here on WTMJ, 414-799-1620. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to join us and talk some Brewers baseball, Happy to uh, welcome on to the program a guy who's been working in the Brewers organization for uh, quite some time, since 2008, has spent some time uh, in Appleton with uh, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, also has been the double-A pitching coach most recently, uh, serving as the pitching coordinator before uh, getting the promotion to be the Major League pitching coach. He is Chris Hook. He joins us right now on Brewers Weekly. Chris, thanks for taking some time, especially around the holidays, and uh, coming on the program. Hey, thanks, Matt. Appreciate being here. You bet. Um, so, how excited are you? I mean, this is—you've been in the organization for so long. This is a great story. He's working your way up. Uh, mentioned you—you you spent some time with the Timber Rattlers, spent time at Double A, got to that coordinator position, and uh, now you get to uh, the pitching coach job. I gotta think you're pretty excited. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think as an organization, it's nice to to work your way up through the system. I know a lot of these guys, and and, and excited to work with them again more than anything. Uh, working through the system a long time, I think it's just, it's just, a, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity and look forward to get after it. Do you expect it to be a seamless sort of deal considering the fact that the pitching philosophy that's been in place, you have largely been helping establish that philosophy throughout the minor league system? Yeah, I've worked with probably 12 of the 20 that are on the, on the 40 man roster right now. So I, we have a really good relationship. They know what I expect. I know what I can get from those guys, and I, I think it will be seamless. I think it's part of the one of the reasons I was chosen to, to, to be put in this position is just I think it's going to be a very easy transition, and it will be a challenge, 
but I think it'll be an easier transition. We talked to uh, Andy Haynes on the program a couple weeks ago, and he talked a little bit about the interview process, but he was coming from outside the organization. What was that process? Once DJ uh, decided to uh, take the job in, in Cincinnati, can you take me through the process a little bit of you eventually becoming the pitching coach? Well, I came out to Milwaukee and uh, got a chance to speak with Craig uh, uh, and, and David and Matt and our analytics uh, group and our research and development group. I mean, we talked to, uh, spent an all day process in Milwaukee, uh, just going through all those questions that need to be asked of a big league pitching coach and a big league, uh, bullpen coach. At the time, I was up for both of those positions. So, uh, it was pretty extensive and, uh, enjoyed the process and it was very comfortable for me because I know all these guys. So, uh, probably different from Andy coming in not knowing anyone. Uh, I knew most and, uh, was very comfortable with the process and the people. Mention pitching philosophy, and we we saw it in September, and we saw it in October. The the fact that in September you have the expanded rosters, and in October, uh, so many off days, uh, the team was able to be a little bit more creative and think more outside the box in terms of pitching. But we get a a front row seat kind of for what the what the pitching philosophy is, and this organization does things maybe a little bit differently than some other organizations in terms of pitching. Do you do you enjoy and do you embrace the way uh, this organization? goes about uh, developing pitching and actually implementing it in games. Absolutely. I think uh, you know, Craig's done a great job. I think saying that you know the, the best way to get 27 outs every night might be different. And I think we've kind of taken, you know, as a minor league pitching coach for you know 11 years, we've been doing that for years. I mean, every night there might be a situation where a guy went down and we have to kind of piece together a game to get 27 outs. I mean, we've been doing that for a long time. And now at the big league level, we're just putting guys in a position to have success, and that's that's kind of what Craig has done a great job with. I mean, just using guys in different roles, but it's just about putting guys in good positions. Are you able to be as creative in April, May, June, July, August when it's a 25-man roster and there's not as many off days? Well, I think there's plenty of there's a lot more off days than there used to be. So I think there does give you a little bit of space to do some creative things, like the Rays have done in the uh, in the past year uh but yeah there there are ways to get uh get creative and i think the off days with the new cba has really helped do that uh, you you played major league baseball you you had a, you had a nice career um but you, you wrapped up in the the mid to late 90s and now here we are a number of years later have you enjoyed the process of all of a sudden analytics and advanced metrics, what it is now is nothing compared to what it was when you were playing. And clearly to do what you've done in the organization, you've embraced that part of it. But can you talk to me about that kind of that process for you of seeing this, this new era of baseball and and embracing all these, these numbers and different ways of thinking? I just think it gives guys more opportunities. I think um, back in the mid nineties, I think it was just, Hey, are you a big league pitcher or not? And you would get an opportunity to get up there and earn your way. I think now we see guys early where they might fit just based on what the numbers say, where they might, you know, they might be able to get three outs in the season. They may be able to get 12 outs for us during the season, but they find ways and just get creative on how the guys can fit into a, a, a 12, 12 man, 13 man big league pitching roster. So I, I think it just gives guys more opportunities than in the past where it, you're a big leaguer, and we'll we'll find we'll put put you in a position to be a big leaguer. But here, there's just so many opportunities for guys to find their way and contribute to a big league club. 
you uh you spent some early part of your coaching working for the Florence Freedom in the Frontier League and uh Andy Haynes worked uh, in the Frontier League. I'm actually a former Frontier League broadcaster. So as uh, I asked this question, do you think this is the only staff in Major League Baseball where the hitting coach and pitching coach are both independent Frontier League alum? I think so. I don't know if there's any other. Uh and and I did, you know, Andy and I, Andy was a manager when I was a pitching coach in the league, so we know each other from there. So uh, I, I don't think there's any other staff with that. What's up? What does that say about the Brewers? And a, a new pitching coordinator was just hired this past week, coming from William Jessup. I mean, it, it seems like the Brewers are going and finding people who are talented people who maybe don't take the the standard path. If that makes sense, does that say something about this organization of finding the best people, no matter where they're coming from? Absolutely. I think that uh, overall, and I think David brought this in, it's just a creative bunch, an open-minded bunch. I, we, we need to, to think a little bit differently than everyone else, and I think that's what that shows. These types of hires are showing people these people are open-minded. We're going to bring in people, new people with new ideas, and that's. I think that's the way we grow, and I think that uh, David and Matt have done a great job with that. Couple more questions for Brewers pitching coach Chris Hook. What does the off season look like for you? What are you doing right now in these final month, month and a half before uh, you've got to get to Arizona? Well, Steve, Steve Carson and I are getting close. Uh, we spent a lot of time on the phone talking about our guys. We uh, spent some time in Houston uh, going through a pitching pitching conference. Uh, got to see Jimmy Nelson and Matt Albers down there. Got to, to meet with those. We're uh, making phone calls to the guys, texting, seeing how they're doing. Um, just trying to see how the process is going as far as recovery and getting their throwing program going. And now, you know, we'll start working with counts on trying to get spring training ready uh, with our new facility out there. So it, it's all, you know, after these holidays, uh, you know, after January 1 comes around, then we'll start kicking up pretty in high gear. Clearly, you're the major league pitching coach, but you're coming off a, a role where you were very involved in the minor leagues, and there will still be a lot of communication there. How good is it for the organization, kind of a two-part thing, to have the new expanded facility and, and so much that uh, the team was able to add a second Arizona League uh, team this past year? It, it seems like the, the development process is going to get even better because of the spring training facility. No doubt. I mean, there's going to be so many more avenues of growth there because we've got the science lab, uh, more fields, just just being able to do more things out there, uh, just as overall development. See, what happens when you go into a rookie ball club, you may go to um, in a Pulaski uh, somewhere and you're traveling all the time. Here, you get the, you're going to have all our facilities, you know, seven days a week or six days a week in Arizona rookie ball. So there's going to be so many opportunities for our people to have our hands on our guys. They won't have to travel as much. There are just, there are just so many different ways that we can kind of implement and, and take our player plans to another level with getting our hands on these guys at least six days a week in those types of facilities. Is there much involvement from you right now? Is you know maybe David and, and Matt and Craig are, are talking about bringing in a free agent pitcher? Do do you get brought in on, on conversations like that? Hey, what do you think of this guy? What do you think he how he could fit on the team? Uh, not as of yet, but I'm sure there will be times when that that will happen. Chris, uh, really excited to see uh, you on the Major League staff this uh, upcoming season. And I know we're coming up on Christmas, so really appreciate you finding some time for us. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thanks, Matt. Enjoyed it. All right, very good.
Merry Christmas. That is uh, Chris Hook. He is the new Brewers pitching coach, and uh, we certainly appreciate his time. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be exciting to see uh, what it looks like with him as uh, the pitching coach. Replace big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill as uh, Derek Johnson did a really good job. But Hook, being so familiar with the organization and so familiar with the pitching philosophy of the organization, um, what it's I'm interested in how it's going to look different. If it's maybe how and if it's going to look different because he's not the same guy as Derek Johnson, uh, but the philosophy is the same. So uh, he's going to bring his personal strengths into the position uh, while continuing to uh, work the philosophy that's been there for a while, and uh, that's going to be fun to see. All right, so Chris Hook joining us. Appreciate him taking some time. This is Brewers Weekly. We'll continue on in just a moment on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. Again, our appreciation to Brewers pitching coach Chris Hook, who joined us in our last segment. If you missed that conversation, we'll have this entire show uh, posted on the Brewers Extra Innings podcast page at WTMJ.com following the show. And not today, but Ashton and I have kind of been uh, brainstorming some stuff and uh, moving into next year, like the literally the, the calendar year, which is going to be turning here in a couple weeks. Uh, we are going to be uh, doing some fun and new things with the Brewers Extra Innings podcast and connecting that to Brewers Weekly. So just throwing that out there, right there. Uh, of course, we always have the Brewers Extra Innings actual podcast, which comes out late Sunday night, early Monday morning, although it is going on holiday hiatus for the next two weeks. So we will not have a Brewers Extra Innings podcast for uh, another couple weeks. Uh, so the Brewers need a second baseman. We know that. That's the that's the big thing right now. That's the that's the hole, and I find this really interesting because Daniel Murphy, who had been rumored to be somebody that the Brewers were reportedly interested in, he signs a deal with the Rockies. It's a two-year deal with a mutual option and buyout. Guaranteed total over the two years is twenty-four million dollars. So there's two ways to look at this. The from a from a positive standpoint for the Brewers, the way to look at this is okay. Second base jobs around Major League Baseball are starting to fill up, and it's getting to a point where it's going to be a buyer's market. So the Brewers are going to have an opportunity to go get a guy on a one-year deal at a lesser rate. That's 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 the positive way to spin it for a brew, for the Brewers. Here's the negative way to spin it. Daniel Murphy just got a two-year deal for $24 million. Let me repeat that. Daniel Murphy, and he's a nice player. Daniel Murphy just got a two-year deal for $24 million. I was asking this to Ashton a moment ago. And what would you rather have? Would you rather have Jonathan Scope for one year at $10 million? Or would you rather have Daniel Murphy at two years for twenty-four? Now, this the Brewer. This isn't really a fair question because the Brewers aren't going to bring anybody in on a multi-year deal because of the emergence, expected emergence, of Keston Hira and Mauricio Dubon. So it's not a it's not a fair question. I always you hear you hear me say this all the time. I like to talk in reality. I don't like to talk in these fictional hypotheticals. That being said, I'm going to a fictional hypothetical for a moment, kind of to make a point. 
Daniel Murphy, two years, $24 million. We're coming off a year last year where the market was moving really slow. Daniel Murphy would not have gotten two years, $24 million in last year's market. He just wouldn't have. Maybe, I, I don't know what he would have gotten, but he would not have gotten two years and $24 million the way the market moved last year. So I mentioned the positive side of this where maybe the market is starting to fill up where there's not as many second-base jobs open, so the guys who are out there are going to be stuck taking a lesser deal. But when I see Daniel Murphy two years, $24 million, I also say to myself, oh, what's, what is it going to cost the Brewers to bring in a veteran guy on a one-year deal? Does the fact that the jobs are starting to kind of go away does that give you a better shot at a DJ LeMahieu? Would he? Is there any chance that he would sign a one-year deal? Guy who's got some Wisconsin ties. Uh, the, the Troy Tulowitzki thing is really interesting. Tulowitzki getting released by the Toronto Blue Jays. Whoever Tulowitzki is going to be the best value out there because whoever signs Tulowitzki can sign him for the major league minimum, and he'll get keep getting paid by the Toronto Blue Jays. So that's that's your best value right there. However, he twelve different teams looked at him this past uh, week when he did a workout, and he's you know whoever wants him, it's it's not going to be a it's not a bidding war because everybody can just pay him the major league minimum and he'll still make his big money off that contract that he previously signed with with the Rockies that went to Toronto with him in that trade a few years back. So he's going to be able to, it's probably going to come to a point that, okay, how many teams are interested, and then he can pick the team. Do you, Ashton, do you think Troy Tulowitzki is a fit for the Milwaukee Brewers? It's hard for me to answer that, only because there's no guarantee that he can get back to his pre, like, what, 2015 form? Let's assume that he can't. No. Like, okay, so he's, he's... That's not worth it. He's not going to get back to... But here's here's the thing with Tulowitzki. If, even if he's not... You can give him two months to try to be some version of that guy. And if he's not that guy, you get past the Super 2 date. You got Keston here. You got Mauricio Dubon. Don't forget, Mauricio Dubon was going to get called up last year really close to. uh, He was just killing it at AAA. And he was on the verge of being called up. And then he ends up getting injured. Because you're paying Tulowitzki the major league minimum, you can release him at any point next year. And it's almost a wash. He can literally be a two-month stopgap if he doesn't do a good job. I changed my mind. I'm, I, I think I'd do that. And I'm thinking back to Jose Bautista last season. And now he would he, three different teams I think he was yeah. with. What, Braves, Mets, somebody else? I got that right? Yeah, Braves and Mets. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I think I might... I might uh, sign him if, if he's willing. I don't. I, but then the question of fit. I don't know if he fits. He's just he's a he's a major league player. Yeah, he he's a different kind of guy too. Yeah, you know, I worked in the Rockies organization for a number of years. I always liked Tulo. I was working at AAA in the Rockies organization, and he would come down and do rehab assignments. He is so injury prone. He is so flipping injury prone. I mean, he gets he gets banged up all the time. So you're kind of betting that he can stay healthy for the first two months of the season, and. But here's the other side of it. This is this is going to sound bad. I'm not trying to be a jerk here. Because he's injury prone, you are signing somebody that is probably going to allow you to open up the door for either Keston Hira 
or Mauricio Dubon because inevitably he's going to get injured and that's going to open up a position. That that that's bad to say, but kind of the gamble, the bet would be this guy can stay healthy for about two months, but at some point, as you get a little bit deeper into the season, something's gonna happen. He's gonna have to go to the disabled list. Boom, you've got your chance to bring a Hira or a Dubon up. So I'm talking myself in to Troy Tulowitzki. All right, I, I want to get into this Cuba deal because I think this, of everything that's happened in the last year in baseball, this might be something that has as big of an impact on Major League Baseball as just about anything. And quite honestly, I don't think enough people are talking about this. I don't understand. Maybe I'm too immersed in baseball. But I don't understand why this isn't like, Front page news headlines blinking alarms going off. I, I I don't get it. I don't know why more people are not talking about it. So we're going to get into this Cuba deal and what it means and the implications that it's going to have for Major League Baseball. We'll do that next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. I think this is a huge deal. And I think this is going to have a huge impact on Major League Baseball. This past week, it was announced that Major League Baseball the Major League Baseball Players Association, and the Cuban Baseball Federation have reached an agreement that is going to allow players from Cuba to sign contracts with Major League organizations without defecting. If you're not familiar with everything, if you were, a, if you were someone, uh, if you were a, Cu- a player of Cuban descent and you played in the Cuban Baseball Federation and you wanted to play Major League Baseball, the only way to make that happen was to defect out of Cuba and get to the United States. And it became an underground industry with, I, I mentioned Yasiel Puig earlier. He was smuggled out of Cuba into the United States by a Mexican gang with, uh, with ties to like major drug dealing. And that's, that, that's how they financed their, illegal activity was by moving these players from Cuba into the United States. There's a whole underworld in this thing that's really bad. I said this earlier. I'll say it again. If, if you want to get a really good look and, and really understand what's going on, uh, ESPN, the magazine, maybe three, four years ago, did a very in-depth story on Yasiel Puig getting from Cuba to the United States and what he went through and how he almost got killed. He was very close to being dead. Take take 15 minutes at some point when you've got time. I know we're around the holidays. Google it. Yasiel Puig, ESPN the Magazine, Cuba Defection, whatever it is. Find that story. It's out there and read it. And it's going to, if you're not already familiar with this underworld thing that happens to get baseball players from Cuba to the United States, this is going to open up your eyes in a really, really big way. Way might even change your view on Yasiel Puig if you don't like Puig when you see what he's actually been through. So sidebar over back to the the task at hand. Major League Baseball is now going to allow Cuban players to sign contracts in an above board way without the need to defect. 
the agreement that Major League Baseball has with the Cuban Baseball Federation is very familiar and similar to the way they deal with players who are coming in from Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, where you post for a player and then money is going to go from Major League Baseball to the Cuban Baseball Federation based upon the value of the contract that is signed. So here, everybody wins in this. Again, I'm not trying to get political here, but I don't see losers here. The, The baseball players get to come to the United States without almost being killed. Money goes back to the Cuban Baseball Federation, and they badly need money. They're, the the stadiums, the situations are in total disrepair. They need money in Cuba, and they're going to get some money now from Major League Baseball. And uh, these Major League Baseball is better because now all of a sudden you're getting these baseball players to come over, and it adds to the talent pool of Major League Baseball. So everybody's a winner. Ashton was shaking his head a little bit when I said that. Do you disagree? Is there? Do you see a loser in this scenario? Major League Baseball's got to spend some money, but who cares? They got the money to spend. Uh, there's two two things, two points. One is, I believe the age, and you may have mentioned, is it's 25, right? Uh, I didn't give the percentages because I feel like that's getting in the weeds, but yeah. So the, the 25-year-old thing, that's that's the only thing I see as, as a because I still could leave room for smuggling. And the other thing is, anytime you're going to deal with something that's called a federation, whatever country, you always you're always interested into how... That affects the the greater outcome of so where where is that in within the Cuban Baseball Federation where within the baseball stuff is that going to impact players later on that's the only thing I see a worry with but and like in the grander screen, scheme this this is a win but I don't care how the Cuban Baseball Federation uses that money because even if they take one percent of that money and invest it back into the teams that's still one percent more than they were before so you're still in a better situation maybe you can sit there and start going oh they should be putting all this money in it's just a bunch of greedy people pocketing millions and millions of dollars they're barely putting anything back in i don't care because worst case scenario it stays exactly the same except for the fact that Cuban baseball players might not die coming over to the United States being smuggled by Mexican gang members like that's that's my bottom line on all this so i i'm glad to see this happen uh, i there's there's again the the political aspect of this and i don't want to go down that path this is not a political talk show we talk baseball here uh but there are political ramifications on this because of the the door to cuba being open but the current administration seemingly wanting to close that door again and if that door got closed how that might impact this but for the most part, as it sits right now, I think you need to separate the political from the human and look at the human being aspect of this deal and see that now all of a sudden Cuban players don't have to uh, defect. Now, the way I read it, the Cuban Baseball Federation is going to release all players who are 25 years of age or older. So to me, I feel like there's still no need to going through the defection process for a 25-plus-year-old because they're basically a free agent and they can come over. But not to be rude about this, if you're over 25 years old and you're not yet into Major League Baseball, you probably don't have that much of a future anyways. Brewers Weekly rolls on with more in just a moment on WTMJ. 
Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. Matt Pauly with you for another 10 minutes or so, taking you until 9 o'clock. If you missed the first part of the program, we had new Brewers pitching coach Chris Hook on the show. And shortly after we are done at 9 o'clock, that will be available online if you head to WTMJ.com and then go under podcast and go to Brewers Extra Innings. We'll have this show and we'll have that interview up there. So if you missed my conversation with uh, with Chris Hook, we'll have that posted online coming up in just a bit. Mitch and Sturgeon Bay asked a question. We're going to put uh, kind of put a bow on this conversation about the Cuba stuff. Mitch and Sturgeon Bay texting in. This could really affect current rosters, though. Couldn't current players lose roster spots in terms of more players being able to come over from Cuba? So a few things on that. First off, the simple answer is sure. But secondly, there's not... If you go over and watch Cuban Baseball Federation baseball, there's not just like... It's not like every roster is filled with 10 guys who could be playing Major League Baseball. There's some really good players over there, but there's... There's a handful that would probably make it on to major league teams. Uh, there's going to be probably a lot more guys that come over from Cuba who end up playing minor league baseball in the United States and never making it out of the minor leagues. Now, same same thing, Mitch. There's going to be guys who don't make it on to minor league rosters because of uh, these guys from Cuba coming over. But the old saying in baseball, don't like it, play better. Don't like it, play better. Like I'm a big fan of competition. If if the talent pool opens up, everybody gets better because of it. Because there's more individuals fighting for jobs and trying to get better. And so that would be my take on it. That from a very raw perspective, sure, there's going to be less opportunities for players who are currently in systems because some of those roster spots are going to go to players who post from Cuba. But I don't think it's going to have a profound impact, uh, at least not right away, on guys losing jobs. So while that's happening, the Brewers at the same time are creating more opportunities. They announced this week that they're going to add a second Arizona League affiliate. So the, the spring training facility in Maryvale going through a sweeping renovation. It is looking completely different. And there's expanded space. There's there's more stuff. There's you know from a strength and conditioning standpoint, from an analytics standpoint, from a video standpoint, from a sports medicine standpoint, from all that. There's going to be more room and more things. And as the Brewers continue to try to bring in as much talent as possible, they are going to uh, they're going to need to uh, they they've got the opportunity to have more players in the system. So this is a this is an industry trend. We've seen a lot of major league baseball teams add a second or not a second, but a, a, an extra short season affiliate. Sometimes in the Arizona League, sometimes it's in some of the other short season leagues, but it's opportunity to bring in these young guys, get them more at bats. If you ever look at a, a one of these short season rosters, there's like 40 guys on the roster. There's not a ton of opportunities on some of these teams. And by adding another roster for these short-season guys, it's going to give the Brewers the opportunity to give recent draftees more of an opportunity and also bring in a bunch more guys and give them a legitimate look. And that's a big deal. 
That's a big deal for this team, a team, an organization that is so built upon being able to develop players, whether it's developing them to get them to the big leagues or whether it's developing them to a point where they can spin them off and get them uh, major league talent, as we saw them do a lot of this past year, getting the chance to get eyes and give opportunities to more young players by adding another affiliate I think that's a really, really big deal for this organization. All right, one more break. We'll come back. Uh, NL Central gets better again. This is the best division in baseball. This is the best division in baseball right now, top to bottom. I know you can look at some other divisions uh, that are top-heavy, but when you go one through five in the NL Central, nobody else stacks up, and the division gets better today. We'll explain why in just a moment. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Have about one minute left here in Brewers Weekly, so let's get a couple things knocked out before we call it a night. First off, the All Canada Show on the way. It's a hunting and fishing expo going to be taking place at the Milwaukee Sports Complex in Franklin. How would you like a four-pack of tickets? Caller number five. 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, caller number five, you're headed to the All Canada Show. No word if Tim Horton's donuts will be made available at said show. Andrew Miller signing with the Cardinals earlier today gives them a high leverage lefty in the back end of the bullpen. Cardinals have gone better. Bringing in Goldschmidt at first, that's a big deal. I think the Reds are better. I don't know about the Pirates. Pirates have maybe taken a, a little bit of a step back. But the Cardinals have made significant upgrades this offseason. I think that's a scary team. I think the Cubs might take a half step back, but they're still a very talented team as well. This is going to be a tough division. There's The Brewers are going to be better this upcoming year than they were this past year, but there is absolutely nothing guaranteed. And you go look at what the Cardinals have done. You look at the rest of the National League Central – it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough in this division this year. And there's still moves to be made for all teams inside of the organization before all is said and done. All right, thanks for being tuned in. Thank you for listening. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Have a great holiday period. And we'll talk to you again soon on WTMJ.